uh, chapter 1. And uh, we're having real problems with our videos this morning. We were going to show some videos about the one event, and um, that kind of went pear-shaped. And we had a video to line up to introduce this, and that's gone a bit pear-shaped too. But you're stuck with me, which is fine. Uh, So Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read the first one. This is a letter uh, written by Paul to a church in Philippi. He writes this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you for not wasting our time here. I thank you you are real. You're alive. You're a God on a mission with purpose. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd breathe life into the words we're going to think about. I pray for every person in this room. Pray for a fresh revelation of the joy of being part of a local church. I pray, God, you would speak this morning. I pray you'd raise faith levels. I pray you'd make us more like Jesus this morning. And start with me, God. Come and speak through your word this morning, I pray. And I pray we'd all leave here differently to the way we've walked here because we've heard you speak to us. And I pray this for your name's sake and your name renown. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? It's been a wonderful morning so far, and uh, I hope you've had a great summer. And uh, we come back, and it's just great, isn't it, to to kick into what the Lord's got for us this term. And we're starting a new series all across the live called All In. All In. And, And the subtitle really is Developing a Culture of Partnership. And what we're looking at over the next six weeks is really what does the Bible say about what God wants me and you to do in terms of being part of a local church. What is his heart for it? What is the blueprint? If if we're following Jesus, then our heart should be, Jesus, what is your heart for my involvement in a local church? Uh, And that's what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? To be a Christ follower. Uh, And so what I'm going to say right at the start of this series is that I'm now going to touch on a few sensitive bits, which is fine. Um, That's part of my role here. Um, But what I want to say is, why don't we courageously come before this word and say, God, I'm going to come with a heart wide open, a blank sheet of paper, draw a line in the sand, and God, if you speak to me about something in my life that is not in line with how you're wanting me to live and do stuff, then I'm going to do it. Is that all right? Okay. Because that is kind of the whole point of preaching, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the whole point of us spending this time is to, is to swim in this word together. And then for you to go and think it through for yourself and to work out whether what was said here was right, and if it is right, to obey it and to live it. 
And so that's what we're looking at over the next six weeks is this whole area of what does God want me and you to do in terms of being part of a local church? And if you're not part of this church, then this is his heart for you, whatever local church you're part of. And so this is applicable for anyone in this place. And so we're thinking about this culture of partnership. And Paul writes to this church in Philippi, and he says in verses 3 to 5, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's really the the verse 5 of Philippians 1 is the kind of the foundational verse for this series. In Alive, we don't have a formal membership like other churches do. Our heart is to kind of have an organic culture of partnership that, that we sense this is what God's heart is for being part of a local church. And because of that, we're going to not make it a formal thing. We're going to make it a cultural thing that this is how we're going to work together and see God's kingdom come. And Paul says he thanks them for the partnership in the gospel. He's filled with joy. He's thankfulness towards these Philippians saying, I thank God for the partnership we have in the gospel. And that word partnership in the Greek is koinonia, and it could be translated fellowship, participation, or sharing. It's an active term. It's a missional term. It's a pioneering term. And so at the start of Philippians, he's saying, I thank God for the adventure we're on together. I thank God for you, Philippians, that together we're working together to see God's kingdom come in this, in this area where you live. And so that's what we're thinking. Like, what does this partnership look like? What is this partnership that Paul is thanking these guys for and praising God for? What does it look like? And that's where we're going over the next few weeks. And if I'm honest, uh, I think this is one of the biggest battlegrounds for the Western church today. And I know for a fact you'll be going, well, you're just a church leader. I'm I'm not saying it because I'm a church leader. I'm desperately saying this because I look at God's heart for getting involved in the local church. And over my lifetime, I've seen how so many people who are Christians just either ignore it or, or, or don't listen to it or are ignorant of it and struggle to live it in the Western church. When I meet people in other parts of the world, there's there's an understanding of the joy and the privilege of being part of a local church where literally people are risking their lives to gather together like we do. And this isn't religion, this isn't legalism, this isn't duty, this is biblical Christianity. And so what I want us to do is come back to this blueprint that we see in the New Testament of what God's heart for this culture of partnership. Are you guys still with me? Good, I love you, I'm for you, I'm cheering you on, we're in this together, but let's just be brutally honest and say, look, does my life match to this? Because as we're going to say over the next five weeks, that there's five characteristics that I see in the New Testament of this pattern of partnership. This is God's blueprint for for his New Testament church. The first is regularly attending Sunday celebrations, that they regularly gathered. We, We meet once a week. We see in the New Testament, they're gathered every day. That's commitment. (laughs) Okay, that was a bit of interaction here, guys, okay? Come on. There is this sense of we're in this together and we're committed. This is a priority for us to gather as a church family regularly. And we're going to see in Hebrews next week where it says, don't give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. I find that so reassuring that since New Testament times, we've struggled to, to gather people together all the time. And we're going to think about that next week. Secondly is regularly being in a connect group. 
We see that again in the New Testament. They didn't just meet in the temple, but they met in homes together. They did life together. And so that's the second thing. The third thing is they served one another. And so we see in Corinthians, especially this picture of this body working together, serving one another with the gifts that God's given them so that people could be encouraged and comforted and cheered on. The fourth thing is generously giving financially. This sense of giving into the local church you're part of in order to run into the vision that God has for that church. And then the fifth thing is prayer. You should have a prayer card on your seat. Please pray this week. Let's have an ownership across this location that we're going to commit to praying for these things. We're going to commit to being here on Thursday night because it's a priority for us to see God's kingdom come in this church. And so we're going to unpack these things and we're going to look in the book of Acts this morning and just as an introduction, see how actually a culture of partnership always begins with us partnering with the senior partner. It always begins with the Holy Spirit moving. We don't make this stuff happen. He does. Jesus is the builder. We just get to enjoy the adventure. He is the person who builds this thing called church. And so we need to start with the fact of saying, God, we're 100% dependent upon you. It is all for you, to you, through you, uh, and about you. Uh, And when we start to understand that is the culture of partnership, that it begins with saying, Jesus, you. It is all about you, for you, to you. It is all for you, Jesus. Then we begin to develop this foundation of saying, God, I'm partnering with you in this. But it's like a a two-sided coin. One side of the coin is partnering with the Holy Spirit. But can I be so blunt as to say, unless we actively step into the things that God is asking us to, nothing will happen. God doesn't just do it. He chooses in his sovereign wisdom to use Muppets like me and beautiful people like you to build his church. It doesn't just happen. It happens as men and women, boys and girls, step in, make decisions, make choices, do things that the Holy Spirit then comes, breathes upon, and then suddenly this thing called local church gets to build. And I love that. It's an adventure, isn't it? It means we partner with the Lord. And just three things that we're going to look at for the next few days. No, I'm joking. Next 20 minutes. Three things. And I sense I am coming against something that we just need to unpack this morning. I I really feel it in this place, that we're coming back to sacred ground in a sense, saying, God, I want to hear your heart on what it means to be part of a local church, more than what I think or what the culture thinks. I want to come back to this book. And what I'm saying here this morning as we think about this is that you need to go off and think this through for yourself. You don't just take this on board because I'm saying it. God's given you a mind. Go and work this through for yourself. But then I encourage you, if you see it in the book, obey it, live it, and let's see what the Lord will do. So three things, things that God does and then we do. Three things from the opening chapters of the book of Acts. The first thing is what we could say added and devoted added and devoted. We see this in Acts 2. As the Holy Spirit adds to our number, we see in the early church they had a devoted heart. See, a culture of partnership results in people being saved and added to the local church. You know, I wonder how many people in this room have been saved in this church over the years. Who who gave their life to Jesus for the very first time in this church over the last few years? Great, great. 
That's great. And I know there's loads more. And who has recommitted their life to Jesus in this church over the last few years and given their life afresh to him? Great. Who's been blessed by this church over the last few years? <laughs> Who's not really alive and falling asleep and not having that? <laughs> Marcus put his hand up. Brilliant. <laughs> but we need to expect the Holy Spirit to do stuff. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000, at least 3,000 were saved. Can you imagine that? From 120 to over 3,000 in one afternoon. That is serious church growth. It didn't come from marketing, didn't come from leadership strategy, just a move of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there was a need for a lot of connect group leaders. What a glorious growth. But then we see in this very next verse, after there was 3,000 added, that we read this. That those who received his word were baptized, sorry, and about 3,000 souls were added. And then... And they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This culture of partnership begins with a heart that is devoted. That word is proskartirio in the Greek, and it means to continue to do something with intense effort, despite of difficulty to keep on and persisting in. And this is what we need if we're going to build local church. We will do each other's heads in, We'll struggle at times. That's part of being part of life, isn't it? But we don't give up. We devoted. We're saying, God, you've called us here. We're going to keep going to see this church be all that you're calling it to be. And this culture of partnership was there in the sense of they devoted themselves to it. It was a priority in their lives to be part of a local church. We see in verse 46 in Acts 2, they gathered together every day. Some scholars argue this church in Jerusalem grew from over 3,000 to up to 100,000 people. And there was only a city of 200,000. Imagine that. 50% of the city was saved. That's incredible, isn't it? And yet they were devoted to still doing stuff together. There was this heart of passion, commitment, making it a priority to be part of a local church. And this is where the rubber hits the road. And I'm just going to be honest. How much for you... Is it a priority to be part of a local church? How do we measure up to the New Testament church where these guys were passionate, committed, and they made it a priority? This isn't legalism. This isn't religion. I'm just trying to unpack for us biblical Christianity. You see, a devoted heart is shown in a life that says, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this now for what I, I'm not in this for what I can get out of it alone. I'm in this for what Jesus can do through me. And I'm committed through all seasons of life. I need a local church and a local church needs me. I am all in. I'm not playing games or being half-hearted anymore. I'm devoting myself to this. It's a hard one, isn't it? So I ask you, if we were to look at how often you've been in church over the last year, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm talking to you this morning, would there be enough evidence to show you are devoted to being part of a local church? Rick Warren says this, nothing shapes your life more than the commitments you choose to make. Now, I'm not talking about work, okay? I'm not talking about when you, people have to work Sundays. It's, that's a totally different context. But for those of us who have a choice on a Sunday morning, 
how much of a priority is regularly attending Sundays and making this thing called local church in the grace of God grow and be a priority in our lives? Can I be a bit controversial? Is that okay? I'm just going to lay this at your feet. And you chew on it, you work it through for yourself, and you can, you can just do this whatever you want. You can disagree with me and be part of this church and be loved and fly, and Jesus loves you. But let me just share this. I thank God that my parents made a priority for us to be part of a local church. I genuinely do. I thank God that they refused to allow the pattern of our lives to be determined by the culture around us. When I was 9, 10, and 11, football was my life. You may not believe this, but I was very, very good at football. You don't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> um, I love football. We had scouts from Oxford United who were quite good then. It shows it was in the 80s. I think they won the Milk Cup. Remember the Milk Cup? What a name for a cup. And Luton came to see us, and, and I was player of the year three years in a row. It was everything. And then they moved football matches to a Sunday morning. And my parents made a stand, and they said to me, and I hated it at the time, but I thank God for it now. They said, Jonas, we are part of a family, and being part of a church family is a priority for us as a family. And it's not that we never miss Sundays, but the rhythm of our lives is that we prioritize being part of a local church. And for two years, I didn't play football. And I've got to admit, at the time, I hated it. But I tell you what God did in my heart through that is that he's put in me now a passion for the local church. We had to say it to Josh. Josh wanted to play Sunday morning football. And we said, Josh, as part of a family, a priority for us is regularly gathering with our church family. Plus, it would look a bit odd if the pastor wasn't there. <laughs> but I'm laying that at your feet. I know it's a biggie. And many people in this room have had to make decisions. And I'm not... I'm not saying anything about the decision between you and God in that sense. But I've got to be honest. If we're going to make church family and the local church priority, we've got to allow the word to determine what we do rather than the culture and trust God with it. And do me any harm. I'm not a professional footballer, gutted. <laughs> but it put me a passion for the local church. Is there a passion in your heart? Are you devoted to this thing? And if, yeah, anyway. Are you guys okay? Okay, number two, filled and united. I love this as the Holy Spirit fills us. We have a heart for unity. So this in Acts 4, this wonderful picture of this prayer meeting. And please, God, may Thursday night be like this. Where we gathered and they prayed and the place in which they were was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit falls upon a group of people and suddenly he transforms their hearts. And the very people that have no time for, they begin to have time for. The very organization or the, the, the community of people that, that they would struggle in any other sphere of life to connect with, the Holy Spirit starts to give Jesus' love into their hearts. So suddenly we love people we wouldn't normally love with the love of Jesus in us. I love that. The, the, the love that we have for one another is possible because the Holy Spirit comes... One of the greatest signs of the church is spirit-filled is the love that people have for one another, from all sorts of backgrounds of life. We never want to be one sort of person in this church, do we? I thank God that all of us are unique. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, there isn't just boldness to speak the word of God, but there's a a love and a heart for his church. And the reason I say that is because the very next verse in Acts 4, verse 32, we see these spirit-filled people, we see the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I love this. This is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. This supernatural unity. 100,000 plus people were united. It is a load of rubbish that you have to know everyone in this church in order for there to be unity in this church. If 100,000 people who wouldn't know each other at all can be of one heart and soul, then please God do that more in our day here. Because we want to see a location of 500 plus in this place. Not because of us, but because this town desperately needs Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. Are you saying, God, fill me with your love for your church so I have a passion for unity? Someone once said this, when the preferences of the church members are greater than their passion for the gospel, the church is dying. Joni Erickson wrote this, believers are never told to become one We already are one, but are now just expected to act like it. I love that. So a work of the Holy Spirit in us is that we start to pursue unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, and I love him for that. Jesus says, this is how you will know that, this is how people will know that you love me by how you love one another. There's no lone wolves in the New Testament. That there isn't, I don't see anywhere in the pages of the New Testament people who are Christians who aren't committed to being part of a local church. Because being part of a local church is where we learn to love like Jesus. My mates who don't even know Jesus are some of the most loving people I know. And yet I know there's a supernatural love that's deeper than that. Because it's a love that loves people regardless of what they can do back regardless of what we have in common. But we have one person in common, and his name is Jesus, and that trumps everything. You guys still with me? And so we need this unity. And Paul writes to the Ephesians, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Wow. What a verse. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Someone once said this, to be a true child of God, the invisible bond that unites all believers to Christ is far more tender and lasting and precious And as we come to recognize and realize that we are all dwelling in one sphere of life in him, we learn to look on every believer as our brother and sister in a sense that is infinitely higher than all human relationships. This is the one and only way to bring disciples permanently together. All other plans for promoting the unity of the church have failed. And so as we walk into this culture of partnership, my dear friend, we're filled and we're united. And I, I think we struggle to live out this command in two ways. Firstly, we can struggle to live it out almost passively. We disobey it by doing nothing. <laughs> we just come to church, get our fill, talk to our mates, 
go home. It's all about us. It's all about what we can get. We don't say anything nasty. We're not gossiping. We're not backbiting. But in a sense, church is all about what we can get. And in that sense, we're not eagerly pursuing this bond of peace. But also we can disobey it through our actions and our words. And I want to just speak this over. God is passionately aware and concerned of how we speak about each other behind our backs. He hears everything. And I want to suggest that if we're passionate about unity, we must speak well of one another behind our backs. If we've got issues with people, we must go face to face and deal with it. And that is how we pursue unity. There is no place in this church for bitching. Please. There's no place in this church for gossip. There's no place in this church for backbiting. That isn't the way of Jesus. And we all struggle with that. I'm just saying we've got to stamp on that and say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. And if I've got an issue, face to face. Before I tell anyone else, I want to talk to the person I've got the issue with. And if anyone comes to you with an issue, why don't you say to them, why are you telling me? If you haven't told them, why are you telling me? Go and sort out it out the Jesus way. And as we do that, we pursue peace together. This culture of partnership brings unity. And it's not just here. Oh, I can feel the heaviness here. Come on, God. Come on. This, this partnership of unity isn't just here, but it's about every single church in this town. We champion, we pray, and we celebrate every church in this town. There's no place for backbiting about other churches in this church. There's no place for, for speaking badly about other churches in this town. We champion each other because we're one in God. We're one family. We're not in competition. We're on the same team. And I want to suggest this morning, and I say, God, do it in my heart. I believe it, but I want to feel it more and more. Genuinely, I'd rather see revival in this town than I would for this local church to grow. I want this church to grow. But first and foremost, I want God's kingdom to transform this town. And I don't care which church he does it in, as long as he does it. And so this morning, if you've got an issue with other churches, you must deal with it. Don't speak badly about the other churches in this town. We speak well. We speak life. We speak faith. We speak future hope in Christ. He was looking at me and saying, Jonas, you've had a few weeks off. What's happened to you? But we pursue unity. As someone once put it, weak things united become strong. And then the third thing is empowered and sold out, Acts 5. We're all in as the Holy Spirit empowers us and we have a heart that is sold out for Jesus. We just see it's in Acts 5 and with this I'll come to land. This move of the Spirit of God amongst his people saw signs, wonders, healings, incredible things that the Peter came by that his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. But I believe the greatest need for this location and our church and any church is this. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. I think nothing shapes us up than being reminded of the holiness and the infinite power of God. Nothing just puts us in our place, as it were, 
They're just getting a sense of his holiness. Oh, his love and his friendship are glorious. But he's bigger than, he's more than. He is perfect, we're not. And when the fear of the Lord comes upon a church, man, there's power in that place. And when God turns up, we see people sold out for him and for his purposes in their lives. It's not religion. You don't get a little register and suddenly you get into heaven because you've had enough attendances with a smiley face. It's not duty. It's a group of people on a mission with Jesus, knowing that one day they'll have to stand face to face with Jesus and give an account for how they used the grace that was given to them. Knowing that he is glorious and magnificent and wonderful and worthy of it all. And it's people that are saying, we are all in God. If you're a guest and you're from another church, I want to encourage you. This is my understanding of what a, a biblical culture of partnership begins to look like. He's calling us this morning to say we're all in. He wants to add to our number. He wants to continually fill and empower us by his spirit. But friends, this will only happen if you and I make a conscious decision to step into this. It's the only way this stuff happens. And there's people in this room, you've been on the periphery for too long. And I'm saying, Jesus is saying, come in. Come in and be part of this adventure. Partner for the gospel in this town and in this region. Be passionate about unity. Be committed to encouraging, supporting, and loving one another. And be sold out for Jesus. Someone once put this, and with this I'm just going to pray for us. And we're going to have tea and coffee and cake and enjoy being family together, because that's church as well. But this is what someone once said about the local church. And I wonder if this is how you feel. And this is a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Nothing on earth has greater potential to change lives and carry out his kingdom work in your community than your local church. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. And so this morning, I just invite for those of us who are part of this church, if we're going to say we're all in, then I'd love to pray for us this morning. Pray that God would empower us, fill us, encourage us, bless us. And remember, this isn't about looking back and just feeling, well, I've fallen short. All of us fall short. That's why we need grace. But it's about saying it's a new season. It's a new start. And if I'm serious about making a difference in this town and my family, with my mates for Jesus, I need a vibrant, growing, healthy local church to be part of to see his kingdom come. And so if that's, let's just take a moment just to wait on God, shall we? And then we'll see where he takes it. And maybe there's people in this room and you just need to to do business with Jesus. Maybe something that was said or something he nudged in your heart. And why don't you just lay it before him? And then in this moment, Lord, we want to say we're all in. We're all in.
We come before you, God, and say, come and fill us now, Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. I don't want to even try. It's not about me. It's about you. And if this morning you just want to say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. I invite you just to stand where you are and we'll pray together. But if this morning you say, we're all in, Jesus, I'm all in. All for what you want in my life, in this place. We're all in. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord God. Father, we're available. We just come as we are. We have nothing to offer but our faith in you. And I just speak a new season over this church. And pressing on towards the goal that is in Christ, Jesus our Lord, as Paul says again in the Philippians letter, we come. And now, Holy Spirit, empower us. Every person in this place be filled with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural power. Supernatural power. Supernatural love. Supernatural love. Supernatural grace. Grace. God, come. We're longing to be used in this place. And just begin to speak out what you want him to do in your life as it were, in this, I know it's an academic year, but in this year ahead, just begin to just speak with him, dream with him. What does God want to do through you and your workplace and your family and maybe this church, whatever it is, just begin to engage with the Lord and lay at his feet. Come, Lord God. Dreams, dreams, dreams. Dreams in this place. Vision, vision. Pray ministries would rise up in this place. Pray for those who have carried stuff, that there'd be a fresh anointing upon you now in the name of Jesus. May you serve in the strength that he supplies. But we stand together, God, and say, come and fill us now with your spirit. And we pray this, God, for your name's sake and your name renown. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's just, um, just feel there's someone with a, a pain in the, the upper part of their arm here. There's just a, a dullness and a pain that just seems unable to move. And I just would love to pray for you afterwards. Also, a, a clicking in, in, in the hip joint that, that has been just a, a source of irritant. We'd love to pray for you afterwards. We wait upon you, God. We wait upon you. And I pray now the grace of our Lord Jesus to fall afresh upon you, my dear friend. Help us to dream again, God. I pray for people in this room, the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
would rest upon you now. May you be unashamed of the gospel. May you boldly live for Christ. And I pray this time next week, God, we'll have incredible stories to share of what you've done in the days ahead. And we pray this in your name and for your name's sake. Amen. 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 We're going to bring us to a formal close now. We'd love to pray for people, especially if you're one of those people. Um, we'd love to pray for you. Any healing in this place, you need physical healing or emotional healing, we'd love to stand and pray God's healing over you and pray for you this morning too. Um, there'll be a few people here who would love to pray for you. But God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you Thursday, 6.45 here. Day of fasting, evening.